Welcome back to I'd Rather Be At The Beach, brought to you by The Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing to do with school marketing because, let's face it, you work hard enough already. I'm Simon, former marketing manager turned owner of The Bonjour Agency, the place for school marketing managers. In each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. Now, you're going to love this episode. I'm with Simon Blake, Head of Marketing at King's Ely School in Ely. And Ely is a very small place in Cambridgeshire. It's definitely pronounced Ely, not Eli, as some people think. And most importantly right now, it's the place where Simon Blake works. Now, I love this episode because Simon talks about how he ended up working there, but I also ask him about what the most dangerous thing is he's ever done. And it turned out to be a near-death experience. We also talk about family life, we talk about schools, but we don't talk about work. No, no, flippity no. That's all coming up in this episode. So come with me now as we head to King's Ely and speak to Simon Blake. Simon, thank you for being here and welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you, Simon, and thanks very much for having me. I, I'm, I feel rather embarrassed and, and, and honoured, actually, to, to be asked um, to, to represent um, this podcast as a guest. Um, my, my colleagues are laughing at me downstairs and uh, they, they, they could jump in at any moment and start applauding. I'm not sure we'll, we'll see how that goes, but thank you for having me anyway. Excellent. Well, if they come to the window and start pulling faces or, or doing anything like that and making you laugh, then, then totally good. I, I guess that's the fun thing about what we're doing right now, because we're, we're used to this world of Zoom, aren't we, where, you know, a lot of people do exactly what we're doing right now. We're, we're recording this and we're speaking online and less face-to-face. Uh, quick question before we kick off. Uh, how do you find this world where we're coming back to some sense of normality, where we're meeting up with real people again? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because um, everyone adjusted really quickly. Um, technology had to had to do its, do its thing very quickly. And I think um, us as adults and also kids had to adapt very quickly. We all know that and we're all sort of trying to forget what happened over the last few years. Um, but a lot of goods come out of it. And, and that includes obviously being able to uh, communicate effectively uh, over video. Um, but for me, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I, I like to see people face to face. I don't like to do my online banking online. I like to see my bank manager to have a chat with him and shake his hand. But so for me, it, it's nice to be back to normal. Um, I, you know, I think we can take these advantages of technologies and the benefits of of uh, of speaking over 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 video call. Um, mm. Of course, it's going to be habit and place of work. But I just think there's always going to be a place for face to face meetings. Um, mm. I think a bit of both hybrid is, is the way to go, isn't it? That word hybrid, it's being used a lot recently. But, but yeah, no, you, you get my point. Tell us a little bit about King's Ely and, and not from a sort of a, a selling point of view at, at all, but you know how long you've been there for and what it is that you do at school. And that's probably about as worky as we're going to get. Okay, because you did promise me it wouldn't be about work, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not going to put my sales hat on at all. Um, mm-hmm. King's Ely, yes. So I've got a, I've got an interesting history with the school. Um, firstly, because I I came here as a, as a boy um, in '95, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, came here for seven years, um, and I, I I I enjoyed school. I I liked um, what was going on here. I loved my sport. Uh, I loved my friends, um, but it, 
but private education was very, very different and the school was very, very different to what it is now. Um, I've got to say that and I'll, I'll probably leave it as that. Um, I probably wasn't the most well behaved <laughs> at school. Um, I, I think a few people can relate to that. And, uh, um, you know, some people would frown the fact that uh, Simon Blake is on the payroll at King's Ely. But look, um, it, how things can change. So, um, you know, I, you know, I've been working for the school for now for, for 10 years um, and, and, and hold the position as head of marketing. And simply put, without being salesy, we have a very, very special product here and I'm incredibly proud to be selling the school uh, to to our parent body. Mm. And am I right in saying that your mum used to work at the school or still works at the school, one or the other? No, she, she doesn't anymore. Um, now, she's got a very good reputation, not like her son. Um, so she, her, her legacy will, will, will be... Will be um, hopefully remembered for a long time. Um, she's a very, very incredible woman. Um, uh, love her to bits, obviously, as my mother, but also the the impact that she made at the school um, through her 20-year stint here. Um, oh first as, as 10 years as, as a, um, head of the um, the primary sector, um, the section of the school, the Ackerman House, mm-hmm. um, and then moving over to be director of uh, communications um, as the principal's right-hand woman um, for 10 years too. So in charge of recruitment and in charge of um, the admissions process for everyone. And, you know, what, what's lovely is that, that a lot of parents come up to me, you know, people who have left the school and just say, the reason why we came to the school was because of your mother. And mm. I always smile and obviously immensely proud um, that she had such an impact on so many people. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it, it makes me choke up because it's just, it's lovely to, because she's such, if you knew her, she's such a shy person and she doesn't like to take the limelight at all. Um, mm. But be, one thing she does really care about is, is children. And mm. because she's been a teacher for many, many years previously, and she knows how to sell that provision naturally, I think that was very endearing for a parent to see and that passion behind it. And and she she made, you know, I'm not going to go on too, too long about this, but she she made a case for knowing every single child's name in the school. And, and a lot of people would say that should be a given, but by first names and and Mrs. And, and being there at the front of the gate every morning, which is again, which is probably the norm now. But um, I think she started that sort of attitude to to mm. parents and you know these paying customers. We need to treat them with the utmost respect and and love their kids like they do. Um, and I think hopefully a little bit of that has kept within the way we do things at the school and mm. uh, that culture of doing things correctly. Mm-hmm. Just to finish that, she doesn't. She doesn't work for the school anymore. She's retired. She went to live in Italy for five years, and and it's her seventieth birthday uh, shortly. So I need to start planning that. So thanks for the, for, for reminding me. <laughs> awesome. Are you planning to go to Italy to see her for this? No, she she's actually come back because my father's not well. Um, my father's a lot older, so um, fourteen years older. I think he's. 
84 or 5. Um, so yeah, uh, he's he's um, sadly um, diagnosed dementia recently, So oh, no. um, which everyone knows is quite a um, slippery slope. So um, my mum's a bit of a bit of a carer at the moment. And so they're based in Newmarket um, in a house in a quiet flat down, down at the bottom of the gallops in Newmarket. So they're fine, um, live a simple life. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we have to be close close to home. But they, mm-hmm. they you know, they... They love seeing their grandchildren, and uh, yeah, it's very family orientated. But um, Italy is, is, in terms of being too far away and not having access to the NHS, is a big thing. I think we're very lucky to have access to the NHS, obviously. Mm. Um, yeah. And in Italy and other places in Europe, it's very tough to get that same mm. sort of care, um, especially you know with the language barrier and things like that. So um, it was time to come home for them, and uh, so they they um, yeah. It's, it's, great, it's great that they're back and we'll celebrate her 70th birthday, I'm sure, mm. in Star. Tell us about their grandchildren, i.e. your children. How old are they? And you're married as well, I think, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. So grandchildren. So I'm the youngest of three. Um, my brother and sister are both older than me. Um, my sister lives in Thailand with her kids, uh, Luke and Jemima, and her husband. And um, my brother has got uh, one boy, um, Theo. And I've got two boys uh, with my wife, Lauren, um, and their names are Bertie and Albie. And Bertie goes to King's Ely. He's, uh, he uh, was lucky enough to go through Ackerman and now is um, going into junior school. Um, so he's very looking forward to that. And Albie um, goes to, he's just uh, one and a half and he goes to uh, Fairstead House School in Newmarket, just down the road. Um, mm. So... Very, very lucky to have such amazing boys, but they are hard work. (laughs) Love them to bits, but no one told me how hard parenting would be. Um, Of course we didn't. Of course we didn't. I mean, you know, (laughs) people pass that on, then nobody would end up having children. No, exactly. Exactly. No, we're we're lucky in so many ways. um, But yeah, it's 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 full on. Mm. And Mrs. Blake, what does she do for a living? Lauren, uh, so yeah, Mrs. Blake uh, Junior, Mrs. Blake Senior is obviously my mum. But uh, so yeah, um, Lauren is uh, a brilliant estate agent and everyone goes, oh, estate agent, oh, one of those. Um, But no, she's not one of those. Uh, She is trustworthy for one. Uh, (laughs) She's brilliant at what she does. She's a people person. She understands uh, the industry very, very well. She's been working in the industry for a very long time and she's just recently become um, not only director, but the uh, in charge of the new market office at Cheffins. Mm -hmm. Um, And she runs it very, very well. Uh, Big brand Cheffins um, in, in this local, market um, estate agency and with all due respect um, they're quite an old-fashioned company and Mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of them were um, and estate agencies moved on since those days and I think having a female director is a huge step forward Mm. and (laughs) i'm not sure they saw lauren coming but she calls a spade a spade and uh (laughs) so it was it was it was quite nice to um to to sort of to raise their eyebrows and for for things to be done slightly differently uh and i don't like to use the word modern because i don't really know what it means but but she does do things in in a in in that sort of ilk and Mm. i think it's uh showing true benefits across the board so um yeah I'm very, very proud of her. She does a very good job. Um, you know, I think we'll probably go on to this in a sex, Simon, but it's it's always going to be tough for a um, for a working mum 
Um, but under that pressure, uh, mm. with two two kids going, giving birth to them, and then um, being there as a mum. But 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 you know the pressures that it that it, that it brings. Um, you know, in in an ideal world, we we could have we 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 you know could have planned something slightly better. But you you know you don't expect um, you can't plan every bit of your life. You can't expect things to go always rosy and 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 you know financially we had to have us both working and um and that 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 was just a fact really um you know i'd love to say to lauren have 10 years off with the boys but um i think in this day and age it's 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 unrealistic mm-hmm. um so so yeah it, it it is what it is um but yeah yeah, it, it it is tricky though because um, it, it's interesting. Just just the phrase ten years off," I I, I appreciate that you don't really see uh, motherhood as being uh, ten years off because you know clearly it is a full time job in itself. But of course, you know for any for for any family where both parents are working full time, especially in significant roles like the pair of you are both in. I mean, how do you manage that where where you're both parents and you're both full time, you know, employed? And, you know, you've both got responsibilities outside of the family. Is is there a chance, because this is a familiar situation that a lot of families find themselves in. Do you think that as a society, we run the risk of sort of running ourselves into the ground a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm a generation that's seen a bit of everything. You know, I, I, I was born in the early 80s, so I've seen a little bit of that. But then obviously going through the 90s where lots of lots of industry ch- changed the way they did things, but still kept slightly old-fashioned values. Mm-hmm. And therefore now we're jumping into this millennium, into the, you know, you know we've been in this millennium 22 years, um, and things have again moved on a shift and it seems like every decade things are slightly um being approached differently from a work point of view um there's a lot being written about this um i'm not saying i've 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 read up on it too much but from a um personal point of view i'm living it i'm living every day where there is pressures to potentially be a breadwinner but again that's a very old-fashioned value and an old-fashioned way of going about things um yeah i mean i i i wish we had more time together as a family i i wish we were of course more cash rich but more time rich um i think those two things don't go hand in hand do they um Mm. you're either time rich but with little finance or the other way around lots of money but no time to potentially enjoy it so Mm. To get that balance is the key thing here, but also just making sure we do enjoy the the happy moments because a lot of it is stressful. Mm. Um, I'm not going to complain too much about being a parent because every parent knows how tough it can be. But at the end of the day, there 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 is little downtime, there is little relaxation points, um, mm. and to spend time as a couple, uh, as a relationship, just to you know enjoy why we decided to do this in the first place. Mm. Um, what I would say, and I'm not going to give advice to people who don't have kids right now, but please do enjoy those moments together, but without kids, because once they come along, they will dominate your life mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, um, you know, and, and, and physically, obviously being there financially, of course, it's a burden. But the point is, is that they dominate everything that goes through your mind in terms of a thought process. I was, I will admit, I was a quite a selfish individual before having kids. And that selfish gene just evaporates completely as soon as you um, 
meet your first child. It's as simple as that. Mm. Um, it just almost evaporated from my mind. I thought about the child that I just uh, just met and and my family, and then you have a second, and then you, it's all about them and your your wife. You actually have very little time to think about yourself, and so that goes, which is obviously a good thing. But my point is that when you don't have kids, just try and find the time for each other. And uh, it, it's it's actually point pointless me saying this because you will never understand until you have kids. So mm. <laughs> maybe maybe listen to this podcast after you have kids, and then you go, oh, I know what he's talking about now. But <laughs> you, you'll get you'll get it. You'll get it. Right. So anyone listening to this who doesn't have children right now, just try and take it from Simon that this is absolute truth. You know, just enjoy that time beforehand. Um, but let's imagine then that you get, say, 30 minutes to have a bit of downtime to relax. What does Simon Blake do to relax? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, <laughs> so when I negotiate um, with, with my wife the times that I can um, supposedly relax and I, I, I love my sport, so... I love playing cricket, I love playing golf, but neither of those things are actually particularly relaxing. Um, so, <laughs> um, so actually watching both of those things I, I find very relaxing. Um, I love reading the newspaper, especially the sport pages. Um, I annoy my, my wife in bed by when she's trying to sleep, uh, moving the newspapers. <laughs> so um, yeah, turn that light off. <laughs> um, but anyway, the point is, is um, relaxation, yeah, there are small moments of it. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it's it could be as simple as having a glass of wine and open a bo bottle of wine uh, on a Friday evening with with Lauren. I, I like cooking, so to get out of nappy changing duties, I'm sometimes I'll go. Don't worry, I'll cook tonight, and uh, and I'm putting the kids to bed or whatever. So bath time, whatever. But no. Um, yeah, as I said, putting the kids to bed and knowing their sleep, um, that's probably the most relaxing point of the day for us. Mm -hmm. um, and then hopefully we can enjoy a glass of wine and some downtime. Um, but yeah, it's few and far between. Um, mm. I, I sometimes say to, to, to people at work, um, it's lovely being back at work, isn't it? Because <laughs> sometimes it, it can be more relaxing at work than it is at home. But um, mm. God, I'm, I'm painting a really bad picture of home life. It's not that bad. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest, and uh, it's coming out all wrong. But anyway, no, the point is, um, I can relax, but in, in limitations. So the really interesting thing I'm picking up from this, Simon, is one of the things you've hinted at is that you. You, you, you prefer meeting, say, the bank manager face to face, uh, to use your phrase. You also, when you explained about the newspaper, indicated that you still read a paper newspaper instead of reading online. These are the kinds of characteristics or traits of people who tend to be a little bit older than someone in their 30s. I'm guessing you're in your 30s right now. Mm. Um, so are there other aspects of your life where you find that you prefer to do those sorts of things in a I don't want to say an old-fashioned way, but just in a slightly different way, in a in an almost more meaningful way, I guess. Yeah. So I think my friends and family think I should have been born uh, in the 30s, so I could have been sort mm -hmm. of 20 odd in the 50s, because um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a creature of habit. I like the simple things in life, and you know, as I said, a, <laughs> a glass of wine and a newspaper that's mm -hmm. uh, that's fine with me. Um, so I know that my friends will be laughing at this this point right now, but I suppose it is a common trait for me, my personality and the makeup of it. But I, I, I still, you know, I'm a big believer in some. Something as traditional as that, um, mm. yeah. I, 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 
already alluded to the fact that um, there's a place for technology and iPhones are incredible and um, having access to, to communication is, is unbelievable these days, but there's nothing quite like holding a newspaper or, or a book. Um, and there's nothing quite like just seeing things for, 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 as they are. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's the way we operate, but um, I suppose I'm, a, as I said, a creature of habit and just used to uh, maybe the OCD doesn't help, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but, but used to having things a certain way and uh, just just having things as I expect. But, you know, life's not like that. And, um, you know, if I get disturbed, so be it. But, um, uh, yeah. Mm. Tell me one of the most dangerous things you've ever done. Oh, that's a good question. Can I do two? Because one was intentional. Okay. And one was not deliberate. Um, Ooh, so this sounds intriguing now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to be stupid as a as a teenager. Um, and when I left school, I went travelling as you do. Um, <laughs> and uh, I went to Australia and New Zealand. And in New Zealand, there's a place called Queenstown. And they are basically adrenaline junkies there. And I thought I'll have a piece of this action and. Uh, sign myself to be the, one of the first people to do a para bungee. Oh, what's a para bungee? Yeah, so it's a, it's it's basically uh jumping off a paraglide um 200 feet in the air. So, um you paraglide for a while and it's lovely and beautiful. <laughs> Queenstown's a stunning place in New Zealand and then they ask you um a bungee's obviously tied to you and then they ask you to jump. Now this was the worst experience of my life but also as soon as you know you're still alive the best experience of your life mm. so um i still remember that with fond memories but it was my choice i would never do it now don't 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 you know <laughs> but um and i wouldn't actually advise anyone to do that but um it mm. was quite an exhilarating experience that was probably up there as the most dangerous thing mm. i've ever done that's the intentional one i guess the the, the next one's the accidental one I yeah guess. That, that, that 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 that's deliberate this this is the accidental one I lived in India for for a while um, after university um, for about a year, and there's as as I'm sure you can imagine, even if if you haven't been to India, the traffic is horrendous there. Mm. Um, and we we bought some bikes, Royal Enfield bikes, and we travelled up the uh, east coast of India. These are motorbikes or way. cycle bikes? Yeah, yeah sorry, mo mo motorbikes. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was it was a good way of travelling because you know. Firstly, you get to see the the, the country and all, all its beauty, um, but the bikes always broke down, always mm -hmm. broke down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But these wonderful bikes, brilliant. I uh, loved the experience. But um, because we, whenever we hit some traffic in India, um, it was dangerous and a lot of beeping going on, and a lot of mm -hmm. lorries, and a lot of buses, and a lot of crazy, crazy ways of of driving. I mean, you think parts of Italy are bad. You haven't seen anything until you get to it. And it's not because they're being rude mm -hmm. by beeping. They're just very impatient. They just mm. they just go. There's no brakes in India. You just go. Mm. Um, we, we're very good at queuing in this country. Mm. <laughs> they don't queue. No, it's not <laughs> uh, in their culture. In it, not in their culture. <laughs> yeah, they, they just, it's, all, it's all, all go. Anyway, the point I'm making is that we, um, I was traveling up a, a hill with two or three very slow lorries in front of me. And... You know that moment when you over 
overtake or think about overtaking and mm. then you realize you sh- probably shouldn't be but then you still go mm-hmm. it was one of those moments um mm. and i shouldn't have gone but i did um and unfortunately the bike wasn't quick enough to get through past three lorries and a bus was coming the other way and Ooh. again in india they don't stop mm. um certainly not for, for tourists and i had one way to go and that was under the the lorry um Ooh. and i missed yet yeah, with with the bike uh, attached to me um wow. so i missed i missed the wheels i don't know how the wheels didn't hit me but it mm. spanned the bike and me and i sort of clung on i, I had um my helmet on and and spanned basically underneath the lorry um wow. i just realized my mum doesn't my mum doesn't know this story, so she can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she doesn't. No, I've never told her because she would be so worried. Um, anyway, I span round, uh, out of this lorry and, and and the other side of the road, and somehow was still alive. Had a lot of scratches and bruises, but everything was kind of in one piece. There was nothing, mm. hopefully, broken. Um, and looked at my helmet, and it was in pieces. <gasps> no. And about half an hour before that. Um, that, I'm getting emotional. That, um, the, the 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 accident. Um, my friend um, told me to put my helmet on. No. And I put my helmet on half an hour previously, and then had this terrible accident. So I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if uh, if that yeah. helmet hadn't been put on. But that was the unintentional dangerous thing. So I don't know whether you're expecting such danger from a from a, from a marketing. No, 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 I wasn't. School, but. I, I, I wasn't at all. And, and and I think that whenever you see that friend for forevermore, that the next round is on you. Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mickey. <laughs> Gosh, and I, just when you were telling that story, I, I I was kind of picturing it happening almost in slow motion, like it's a Mission Impossible film or something like that. Um, mm, but I'm sure yeah. the reality wasn't quite so uh, cinematic, but more terrifying. It was, and I'm not sure I'd go back on a bike anymore. Uh, I mm. think I've uh, lost that bug. Mm. But um, I love India, by the way, love India. Mm. I was about to ask what scares you and why, but I mean, motorbikes may well be quite high on that list. Do you know what? Not actually. Um, What scares me, um, it's not that simple. Um, I know this sounds quite morbid, but death scares me. And, And not because I'm scared of dying necessarily, but I just, I don't, I don't, the unknown of not knowing what happens next. I, I, when I was a child, I, I had nightmares about dying. And I think that was probably more because I w- would miss my friends and family more than anything. And I couldn't deal with that. But mm. I still, and I'm sure we're all a little bit like this. Mm. We don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. And I know we, I'm not particularly religious, but I do have a faith and I believe in fate. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just what happens next, and that mm. question that where no one actually with any true conviction can answer with factual evidence. Um, mm. So I think in terms of what scares me, that really um, mm. we we we're such a minute part of this planet and this universe, and we're only here for a limited amount of time, and. Mm. It just it terrifies me that we're such a small part of this universe, and we just don't know what's going to go and happen after we've after we've gone. 
Mm. I'm sorry to make the podcast quite morbid, but <laughs> <laughs> it's totally good. Uh, it's a shame that we don't have like an hour and a half to do a podcast episode just on that topic because there is so much to unpack just in that. And of course, different people listening to this will have different beliefs. But of course, as you indicate, they're all beliefs, aren't they? They, they are beliefs, and 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 then that's why back to the point before having you know you've got to make the most of, of 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 being here because we can't answer that question we've got to you know live life to the fullest um i, I think what's become evident and I'm, she was just brilliant in the media recently um deborah james and she's released this book recently how to live when you could be dead and obviously she was living with cancer for a number of years but the way she came across again through podcasts and um i just think that attitude we need to a- a- adopt some of that each and every one of us because mm-hmm. she you know she faced death and faced cancer and she just fought it and you know hats off to her she was unbelievable and um i just I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading her book how to live when you could be dead because i think there's a lot of that sort of premise about how we should be living and mm. how we should be thinking in such a limited time so there's a book that you're looking forward to reading tell us about the last book that you read what was it Okay, um, I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend I'm a bookworm at all. Um, my mother is massive bookworm, but I, I'm not. I'm more of a newspaper person. But um, there's a couple. Damage done. You probably never heard of this book, Damage Done, but it's a it's it's a true story about a chap in a Bangkok prison for twelve years. I read that when I was travelling, and it really, really stuck with me. But yeah, uh, you can look it up. It's it's quite it's quite full on. Um, but something a little bit more lighthearted. French children don't throw food. Ooh. And this this is only for for parents because it just or maybe just to be parents. Um, it's about parenting, and uh, if you notice, French children in restaurants in France behave impeccably. Hmm. Now, unfortunately, we can't say the same about this country. Um, it's a different culture. I get it. I get it. But French people and Italian people, they love their kids but they don't let them dictate their lives. And mm. the children, the premise of the, uh, the book, uh, French children don't throw food, is all about that and how we can help, you know, just managing and dealing with stressful, stressful situations in restaurants with kids and stuff like that. But um, obviously that's just an example, but it's just how we should potentially react to our children who can be at certain ages quite tough to deal with. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> no, again, there, there, there's another whole podcast episode just on that, isn't there? About about how we bring up bring up our children. So, Simon, I think we're going to have to get you back on for a different uh, different episode yeah. in the future. <laughs> I'd love to. A um, couple of super quick questions now. Best movie you've ever watched of all time? What would you say? Okay, yeah, this is this is you can't ask this question. This is <laughs> it's. I mean, best movie. I, okay, so it's a very personal thing. Of course, it is. Um, mm. I'm gonna. Can I get? Can I do a few? Okay, just because I I, I want to at least say what, what type of film. Because if I if I just say one, people are gonna judge me on that one, and it, <laughs> it right. could be. I'll, I'll give you yeah, three okay. then. I'll give you three. So, okay, okay. Give me three. Um, Inception. Okay, mm-hmm. Inception. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely incredible film. Uh, mm-hmm. All about dreams. And actually, what, uh, what we were just saying about you know what what could be out there. Dream within a dream within a dream. Fantastic. Inception. Mm-hmm. Um, got a bit gladiator down there because mm-hmm. of just how epic it is and incredible acting and yeah, just full on. It's just an epic. Um, but my favourite film, and there is a story behind it, not very funny, but it's a bit sad really. But on my wedding night, um, 
you'd think, oh, go out with the lads for a few beers or whatever. Last <laughs> I decided to stay Hang at on, home on your, on your on wedding my, night. Go out for a on, few beers. Sorry, sorry, no, excuse that. Not my <laughs> wedding night because we just fell asleep. Not my wedding night. The nights before the wedding. Oh, I, okay, I, right. You're right. going to have to edit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> the nights before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, pre- preparing for your wedding essentially, and mm. you would normally have a few drinks out. But mm. and I think that's what I think Lauren was with with her best friends and bridesmaids at uh, mm. another house. Whatever. I stayed at home, but I don't know where Bertie was because that, that's the thing. Bertie was born uh, before we got married, okay. and it was incredible to have my son at my wedding. Absolutely mm. amazing. But that's another story, anyway. Um, but the point is, he was being looked after by Nonna or Nana or whatever. Anyway, I was at home on my own and I decided just to get a pizza, which Lauren doesn't like. So I just thought I'll have my pizza, mm-hmm. um, spicy pizza. I, I had a bottle of red wine um, and I wrote my speech, um, which was which was OK. That, that, you know, that can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it came across OK. And um, and I watched my favorite film and I've watched it lots and lots of times. <laughs> and it's a bit sad, but. It's Notting Hill. Oh. And Notting... Oh, God, I sound pathetic here. But Notting Hill, for me, I can't help but smiling throughout it because it's just one of those films that's really easy to watch. Um, It's a really nice story. It's really well acted. It's got a great cast. And it just actually... There's a few moments in that film that you kind of all can relate to, I hope. Mm. And um, me and Lauren love it. My mum loves it. My dad loves it. I think the whole family loves it. The Blake family love Notting Hill, but I'm sure there's few people out there too who loves the film, but that would be my number one. Mm. I'm smiling straight away because I'm just remembering that scene where he tries to blag his way into the press conference at the Savoy Hotel. <laughs> that is a blockbuster <laughs> video card, sir. <laughs> William Thacker, yeah, William Thacker. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thanks for talking to us today. Uh, it's been really good hearing from you. Uh, if anybody wants to find you, can they find you on social media? No, and that that is extraordinary, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a head of marketing at a school, and I I I don't uh, I'm not on social media anymore. We used to um, we used to be on social media, both of us, but we decided that we were spending a lot of time. Um, just looking at our phones when we should be enjoying our children. So mm. we both came off social media. You can find me on LinkedIn just from a work point of view, but um, socially I'd rather just look at my kids rather than a screen. So um, social media is fantastic. It's a brilliant, powerful way of communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, but it's just not for me at this stage of my life. But yeah, I can be found on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn account in the show notes in that case. But Simon, thank you for being here again. And uh, it's been really good talking to you. Thank you. No, thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Cheers. So that was Simon Blake from King's Ely. Lovely school and a thoroughly lovely chap. Simon, thank you for not succumbing to that near-death experience. We appreciate you being here, especially for this podcast recording. Now, the really interesting thing is that you're still here listening, proving that people listen to podcasts all the way through to the end. To find out more about podcasting in your school for your own marketing purposes, then come visit our website. It's www.thebonjouragency.com and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon. So click that option to follow or subscribe and it just means that you won't miss it. But we'll see you next time. Bye for now.